Hey everyone, welcome back to The Coop with Meyer Hatchery, where we talk all things poultry in hopes of inspiring crazy chicken keepers and educating future flock owners. I'm your host, Kendra, and today I'm joined by my co-worker, Amanda. Now, you'll commonly find Amanda on Facebook, leading coop tours and lives, on YouTube, helping to demonstrate products and poultry care, and as a customer service representative, in chats and emails, answering your questions. Amanda wears many hats, but also has a successful farm of her own, where she raises goats, rabbits, turkeys, pigs, and chickens. Today, she's here to talk chicken tractors. Amanda uses chicken tractors and plans to build our new chicken tractor instant download plan next month. We're going to cover the chicken tractor essentials, including pros and cons of raising poultry in this method. Before we dive into the interview, let's go over the review of the week. This review is on Apple Podcast from user RJH20 and is titled A Great Edition. They write, The Coop with Meyer Hatchery is a great addition to the agricultural podcast scene. It's nice to see a company like Meyer Hatchery stepping up to take the lead. Looking forward to hearing more. Well, RJH20, we're so thankful for your kind words and glad to hear you're looking forward to what we have in store. So without further ado, let's get into this chicken tractor mini-sode. Welcome to the coop, Amanda. Hey, Kendra. For those of our listeners who are not familiar with you, can you go ahead and give a brief introduction into who you are and your position at Meyer? Sure. Well, I haven't always lived the homesteading lifestyle. I was born and raised in Southern California and lived in a big city of 300,000 people um, until six years ago, my husband and I decided to move our family here to Ohio to a one-stoplight Amish town to live our homesteading dream. And we've accumulated quite a few animals in that time. We have chickens and turkeys and Nigerian dwarf goats and pigs and lots of other animals that we accumulate through 4-H kid projects and anything else we bring home on our adventures. Um, I've been working for Meyer for about three years now, and I absolutely love it. I get to share my experiences with poultry to customers, and I get to use um, my customer service skills, and I just love educating people. Nice. So along with your turkeys and chickens, what other poultry types have you raised? Um, Well, we've done ducks, uh, meat, and egg-laying breeds. We've done uh, market geese, Emden geese to be exact, many different chicken breeds, bantams, standards. Um, I kind of like a colorful flock. So if I can have one of each breed, that's ideal for me. What kind of meat birds have you raised? Uh, we have kind of dabbled in a variety of them. We've done rainbow rangers, gray rangers, black rangers, and the Cornish cross. So pretty much all of them. (laughs) I have to find out what I like best. And in order to do that, I have to try them all. Exactly. So our farm setup is a little bit different than yours, I think, at least as far as I know. So for our farm, we have one giant coop that was an old barn that we converted. And we let all of our poultry and animals free range our entire property, the neighbors, if they please. They just kind of have a free-for-all of our lot. And we've stuck to chickens. We have standard and bantams. 
are meat birds and then turkeys and guineas. So what does your farm setup look like? Well, we moved from a 6,000 square foot um, city lot to three and a quarter acres. And for us, that was a ton of land. But in reality, where we're located, three and a quarter acres isn't a lot of space. So we do have neighbors on either side of us. So free ranging our animals is an option because we have really nice, generous neighbors. But uh, when we plant our garden or our neighbors have their gardens in, out of respect for them, we don't free range because otherwise our gardens would be gone. <laughs> um, and then we have a lot of overhead predators, um, lots of hawks. So in order to protect the flocks, um, like our turkeys and our broilers are all contained. They're not um, out in the open. And then our egg laying flock, they're in a huge run near their coop. Nice. So two totally different ways to raise flocks. Neither is better than the other. It just depends on where you live and what really works for you. I don't like managing my flock very well. So keeping them contained in their spaces and making sure, you know, they're all well suited just isn't my style. And I have little kids. And so schedule works really well for us when it comes to all the chores just so that I can make sure I have enough time to get everybody fed two-legged, four-legged human or animal (laughs) throughout the day. Let's talk about chicken tractors and their uses. I know we've both used them before on our properties. um, And again, we both have very different styles and how we've used them and continue to use them. Um, Really, the main thing that I hear from customers is they like using them to provide fresh pasture without having to allow them to free range. Is that kind of what drove you to use chicken tractors as well? Yes, because technically they are free range because they're moved to fresh grass every day or every couple of days, depending on how big they are and how many birds you have in each tractor. Um, So they are getting that fresh granary every single day, but they're also protected from any outside predators. And then another thing, a lot of people were concerned about confining the meat birds and their quality of life. But still, you do want to confine them to some degree because that's what they're designed to do. They're designed to be fed and butchered at an earlier age to be processed for meat. So I do think it improves their quality of life overall. I've had pretty good success in my runs. And then it can also extend the quantity of birds you raise. So some people don't use chicken tractors specifically for meat birds. They'll use them for layers too. And if you have a... Like Amanda, you have a specific amount of acreage and a specific barn size. Using the chicken tractors and pushing them around on your lawn kind of gives you additional coop space, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And it allows me to separate our egg layers from our meat birds. And um, we get a lot of questions. Well, how do your kids do when the meat birds are no longer there? Um, And I feel like having them separated, they're not named, it's an easier transition and they kind of have that respect. That animal is to provide food for our family. Whereas our egg layers are in a separate area, they have names and they're going to stay for the long term. That is such a good point to make for listeners. That is a common question. Even I get it from family and friends is how can you do that? And really it is a mindset that these are meat birds and these are here to provide food and and that's it. There's nothing more. There's not an emotional connection to them. And it sounds cold to say it like that, but as a homesteader, once you get into that frame of mind, it's not as bad as it sounds. 
No, it's actually a really rewarding process to actually know exactly where your meat is coming from. So let's talk a little bit more in depth about the definition of a chicken tractor, right? Why are they called chicken tractors? Well, um, as your birds are in the tractors, they are scratching and loosening up that topsoil, um, tilling it like an actual tractor would do. It's a great way to get rid of weeds. You can set your tractor in a a weedy patch um, in your pasture or on your lawn. We just did our first mow of the season, and I will tell you the longest grass was where our chicken tractors ran last summer. Um, We actually had to raise the blades of the mower because the grass was so lush in those areas. Great way to fertilize. That's awesome. So in its most basic form, a chicken tractor is really a portable frame. It's typically enclosed in wire and it has an open bottom. And that is the simplest way to put it. If you Google chicken tractors, you will be bombarded with the number of styles and sizes and features that they have. It can be a little overwhelming, but we're kind of here to walk you through some of those different features and what has worked for us individually and what hasn't and what's out there. So hopefully in the end, if you're interested in building a chicken tractor, you'll walk away from this podcast having a better understanding of your purpose. Have you ever used a tractor with layers? Um, Actually, I have. Working for Meyer Hatchery, chicken math is real. Uh, I mean, it's a problem when you don't work for Meyer Hatchery, but uh, I accumulate birds um, quite quickly. And um, you can't just throw new birds into your existing flock. So we've used our tractor, our smaller tractor, as a transition area. So since the birds um, in the main coop can see inside of the tractor, we place it right next to it to where they can see each other, but they can't touch each other for several weeks. And by the time our new birds are grown out and about the same size as our old gals, um, we can smoothly transition them into the main area. And typically we don't have any issues with um, aggression. That's a great use for when you're not keeping birds within the tractor for raising purposes because they're only in that tractor for a short period of time. So multi-use, getting your money's worth out of the chicken tractor, right? Absolutely. Another thing to consider with the layers, if you are going to be moving them around and it's a little bit larger of a coop, typically those mobile coops are not for winter purposes if you're in the north. Um, I know our neighbor uses a mobile coop and they have a winter coop that is a structure like a shed on their property that they move the chickens into in the winter. So it's more of an insulated area that they can keep their core flock in. And then in the summer, they move them around their front field pasture area. So just another thing to keep in mind that typically you do want something more insulated if you're within the northern states. Another thing to consider is size. I think size is hard for people to picture. I know when we built our first one, it was so heavy. (laughs) We could not even move it. So it's kind of a fine line between making sure it will fit the amount of birds you want or need to have fit in there, but also being a structure that's light enough and versatile enough to move around the yard. We ran into that issue too, because I don't like things that can only be used for one thing. I like things that have multiple uses just to get the most out of it. So our first tractor is an eight by 12 foot tractor um, and it is very heavy. We have to use the zero turn mower to push it around the yard but it is large enough for larger birds and more birds, which is nice. So if we needed something more permanent for a shorter period of time, it can be used for that as well. 
So take our words of wisdom and learn from our (laughs) mistakes. Bigger is not always better. Don't get so excited about starting this project that you go all out because I know for us, it was, we were thinking ahead and how we wanted to grow and evolve. So we thought, well, let's build this big enough to grow into. And that was not necessarily the case. It's better almost to have two or three of the tractors versus one super large one. Absolutely. We actually have two different sizes and they both serve their different purposes. But I tell you, when that big eight by 12 foot tractor is out in the field and we've had a good rain and it needs to be moved, it's not moving because it's too muddy. (laughs) It's stuck. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's so funny. So another thing to consider too is I've mentioned this before for coops and the amount of birds you want to put inside of a coop or the amount of birds you want to put inside of a brooder. Less birds is always better. Always try to give your birds more space. It just gives them a better quality of life and it also helps with antisocial behavior that they can create or even injury. Have you run into that instance of like the pecking order within the tractors? Yes, um, especially with the Cornish cross, um, just different bloodlines, different temperaments. Uh, I don't tend to just raise males or just raise females. I usually get a mix so that I have different sizes um, come processing. Um, But I know the rule of thumb is two to two and a half square feet of space per bird, but really erring on the side of more space is best when they just get crowded and they're uncomfortable because they're so large and it's typically summertime. So maybe they're hot from the humidity. They get cranky and they're hangry and they have attitudes. And so if you allow them a little bit more space, you have a lot less aggression. Absolutely. So really think of a chicken tractor as a coop and run all in one. Your layers typically aren't within the tractor long enough to be laying, right? Right. Usually they're transferred into the main coop right before they start laying about 16 to 18 weeks so that when they start laying, they have a place to lay because my tractors don't have nest boxes. Some of the layer tractors that you will find online if you search around, it's kind of like, I call it a double decker almost. It's like a run And then there's usually a ramp up to a nesting area that they can lock up and keep their chickens secure. But they're small enough where they'll have wheels on one end and they can push them around the yard. Usually this is for really small flocks. I see a lot of urban chicken keepers using these. It's a way they can push them around the yard in some tight spaces if need be. Usually they have smaller yards but it still allows them to keep probably three to five layers within them. And I would consider that a chicken tractor because they are able to push it around the yard. And another thing with the chicken tractor in an urban space is I see a lot of people using those because they don't want their yard scratched up. So they're in town, keeping up with the Joneses. You don't want a big dirt patch in the middle of your yard. They want their flowers to stay pretty too. Keeping their chickens out of the garden, out of the flowers, not poop all over the yard. It's just a lot cleaner setup, but still allows your birds access to grass and sunshine. Another really good point to make, because our previous episode was about brooding, is chicken tractors are not brooders. I get a lot of questions about when can I move my chickens outdoors or when can I move them in a coop? And it's really important that your chickens are still fully feathered six weeks of age before you move them out to a tractor. However, with meat birds, I know we typically move ours out a little bit earlier because you typically process them at six to nine weeks of age. So for our Cornish cross in the summer months, we probably move them out to the tractor at three weeks. Is that when you move yours, Amanda? 
Yeah, about three to four weeks. Um, I have a batch of three-week golds now, and I, I wouldn't put them out quite yet just because we're still having nighttime lows in the 30s. But, you know, once they start packing on the weight, they keep a little warmer. They have a little more insulation. And they do really well in that environment. I think it almost helps them not being confined, having a little bit more room to move, allowing them to get up and walk around, that sort of thing. So you just have to really watch your temperatures and prepare yourselves because I've heard horror stories from customers who had moved them out, not realizing the low was going to be in the 40s or 30s, you know, a freak drop in temperature. And that can cause you to have losses. And I've moved my birds out a little too early uh, before. I usually like to watch their body language. So I moved them out to the tractor. And when it got dark, I took a flashlight and went out there. And if they were huddling on top of each other, then the temperature was way too cold. So I ended up lugging them back to the brooder uh, for another week. But watching their body language, they'll tell you if they're ready or not. That's a great tool to use, just like in the brooder. You know, you watch them around the heat lamp. If they're clustered underneath, they're cold. If they're spread out to the very edges, they're too warm. So same goes as your flock ages or in the instance of having meat birds. Now let's talk about feed and watering. So in chicken tractors, having the food and water easy to access is super important to me. In our first setup, it was so bad. It had wheels at one end and it had the handle at the other. So you could push it around easy, which was completely fine. But I had no way of like there was no hatch at the top to open up to be able to get in. So you had to prop one end open, kind of like a hood. And then you had chickens escaping while you're trying to shove feed and water underneath the edges. Then you're trying to corral chickens back in without dropping it down on their feet. It was always an ordeal. I hated doing it. We ended up ditching that tractor way before the chickens were even ready because it was such a pain to manage. I'm lucky in that my husband is an overachiever when it comes to building things for the homestead. He did create a door on our humongous first tractor so we could actually walk inside it. So it wasn't too hard to get in and out. Um, But we did go through a trial and error phase with feed and water because they do eat and drink a lot. So I feel like we just kept having to like upgrade the size of the feeder and the size of the water with every batch or like each week I was running to the feed store to get something bigger because even though I'm scheduled as far as poultry chores, I didn't want to have to go outside and fill the feeder and waterer multiple times a day. I think Marie, who did, she did a chicken tractor tour on YouTube, and I believe it's in a blog post too. So you can take a look at her setup. Her setup blew my mind when I saw it. I It was one of those moments where you're like, why did I think of that? She used the watering cups, which I thought was interesting. I've seen some people also use like a PVC pipe, you know, half open. And a lot of people like the automatic waterers where you'll set a five-gallon bucket on top of the tractor, fill it up, it goes through the hose, and then it automatically fills up either the watering cups or whatever type of water you have inside. And I really do think that's almost one of the best setups you can have because it does keep them with fresh water all day. And then you only have to fill one five-gallon bucket from the outside each day. How is your setup now with your water? Do you hang it on the inside? 
Well, I have to tell you, I helped with Marie's tractor tour and I went out and I bought the poultry cups and it is sitting in the garage as an unfinished project because that's the ultimate goal is to have a tractor watering system like that. Um, Right now, our large tractor, we have a giant chain that hangs from the top where we hang a, I think it's an eight gallon waterer. So it lasts like a couple days when they're younger um, and then we fill it once a day towards the end, towards processing time. Uh, But we hang it off the ground to where they're not scratching dirt and poop in it. um, So it stays clean at all times, but it's a large enough water to where I'm not going out multiple times a day. In our smaller tractor, uh, we have a three gallon waterer that we have raised off of the ground. It's not tall enough to have anything larger than that in it. But like I said, I really like to get that poultry cup watering system going this summer. That is the goal. And then we also did um, get one of the eight gallon tripod waterers and that seemed to work excellent, especially with the turkey since they're a taller animal. We didn't have to fill it as often. And having them either attached to the tractor or hanging is really helpful when you're moving the chicken tractor around. So you're not only having to lift the tractor up and push it to its new spot, making sure not to run over birds, but now you don't have to worry about knocking over your feeder or water inside or trying to prop it up to dig it out before you move it. It just makes the whole moving process a lot easier. How is your feeder set up in yours? Um, well, we have like a trough type feeder system. Um, ours sit on the ground, but are right on little risers. Um, this year, the goal is to get them hanging from the top of the tractor. That was another point that was made in the tractor tour at Marie's, um, getting them a little bit more active. Having to actually lift themselves off of the ground to get to their feed is healthy. It's healthy Cornish cross broiler exercise. And I forgot to mention this. So we started with our first chicken tractor, which was an awful experience just because we kind of whipped it together. I feel like everything we do on our farm is very last minute or on the whim. We're like, hey, we should do meat birds this summer. And then I look online. I'm like, yeah, there's 50 available. We better buy them now. And then we buy them and they're here. And we're like, okay, now what do we do with these birds? Yeah, our tractor was slapped together. I mean, it worked, but like I said, it wasn't easy to do and I got tired of it and we ended up free ranging our meat birds. We free ranged our Cornish cross and just let them go. We had to put a specialized ramp in for them to help them get into the coop once they got a little bit larger. But then we ended up moving to rangers, which is now what I prefer to do because I can just let them integrate with my layers. They roam around free range. They eat the same feed as my layers do. And then when it's time to process them, we can just pluck them out of the flock. They're easy to identify, which makes it nice too. I'm not having to be like, hmm, is that a meat bird or is that a layer? There's no guessing involved. So I just wanted to make that clear. That's why I'm kind of pointing some of those chicken tractor questions specifically at Amanda because she still uses hers each year and I've given up and I still free range. So lazy Kendra back again. (laughs) Well, the Cornish cross are definitely a breed that you have to have a plan and a space and a schedule for them because as they grow, they become a little bit more high maintenance and fragile as where the rangers, they thrive in a free range environment. They're more agile and active and great at foraging and can actually run away from a predator, whereas a Cornish cross is too large and heavy to move very fast. 
Yeah, I do not recommend free-ranging. So we went from one bad thing, like one bad tractor build, to free-ranging Cornish Cross, which was another bad experience. So our experience in that whole realm, our first go, was just not positive at all. So it didn't stop us from raising meat birds, though. We still raise rangers. Like I said, that's what we prefer. We have a new batch coming this week, actually. And believe it or not, I don't even know if I should tell you guys this, Processing chickens is a process. It's a time-consuming. It takes a lot of like prep work in the beginning to get yourself set up. The actual act of processing is an all-day event. And so we have processed last spring, we processed a batch of rangers, and we were not able to get through all of them. And I was like, that's fine. Let's just leave what's left. We can process them in the fall. Well, guess what? Fall came around and we never got to processing them. So I have rangers still free ranging with my layer flock that are a year old now. And big stew birds. (laughs) They are large and in charge. So I don't want to recommend that you keep them beyond the processing age, but if you do, for whatever your reasoning may be, they are certainly a lot hardier. They can withstand that free-ranging, being in the coop environment with layers, and they do well. They hold their own, and I can tell you matter-of-factly, they're all in great health and have a really high quality of life. They're not suffering. They're heavier, but they're not overweight by any means. Free-ranging has helped them really exercise, and when we processed ours in the spring, I like the rangers because they are a little bit bigger bird than a Cornish Cross is, and I like that for my family. I'm not raising them for market, so I'm not trying to hit a specific weight. I'm just looking for freezer meat. So processing them, they have a larger breast on them. If you let them go past the 9 to 11 weeks, and they make a really good stewing bird. I can't tell you how many we've used for soups throughout the winter because of their size. They have a lot of dark meat on them as well. So if you're a dark meat fan... Rangers are a great option. And now you've raised all the different breeds of rangers. I've only done the rainbow ranger. What breed of ranger do you like? Um, I liked the rainbow ranger the best only because um, we processed ourselves and they are a lighter skinned, lighter pin feathered bird. So they're much easier to clean. The gray and the black rangers have darker pin feathers and darker skin, like leg skin. So they don't look as clean as like a bird you would buy in the store. Um, I don't just raise birds for my family. So I do have to kind of pay attention to the look of the bird because I know the bird tastes great no matter what the coloring it is. But people are looking, customers are looking for birds that look like the birds you would buy in the store. All around, all of them tasted amazing. I am a big fan of dark meat, and some say you can't taste the difference. I honestly think that the rangers taste better. (laughs) I don't know if it's because they take a little longer to get up to weight. It's like, you know, good things come to those who wait. They're like marinating as they're slowly growing out. But the rangers were really great tasting birds. It has a lot to do with the free ranging or how active they are. I found with my rangers, the fat content is a little higher and it's like that really good yellow fat. So if you're used to cooking a lot, 
um, or you're a homesteader who's looking for a quality meat in that instance, I think it's a little bit more versatile of a meat because of that factor. So that's, again, why we prefer that. But I know there's a lot of people that do love the Cornish Cross because they're consistent. You can rely on what kind of size they're going to be. They follow a pretty strict schedule as far as feed and rotation. So if you're in the market for that and pushing them for market birds or for customers, I mean, they're really an all-around perfect bird in that instance. Again, it's personal preference. What do you want to do? What's your end goal? Why this bird? Why this poultry type? Ask yourself those questions and then you can compare their characteristics and determine what bird is right for you. What are you raising this year, Amanda? Are you doing meat birds again this year? Um, Yeah, I have a small batch running right now. They'll move out to the tractors probably in the next week or two. Um, And then I have 100 more Cornish Cross ordered. Um, I typically do mainly Cornish Cross at this point um, because it's a little bit more cost effective. I know that in 50 days I can process my birds and I'm going to end up with four to five pound birds dressed out. Um, And they're going to look like the birds that you see in the store um, or maybe even better because I raise them. (laughs) But I will probably end up raising a smaller batch of rangers for my personal stash just because they're such a great bird and hearty and just all around great tasting. Now, this specific segment is more for chicken tractors, but I do want to touch on, for us, we've always processed our own birds. Do you process your own birds most of the time, or do you also send them to a processor? Um, we The first year we did meat birds, um, I was gifted a plucker. Not everybody can get as excited as I was when I received a plucker for my birthday. Um, so we processed all of our birds that year. We probably had about I think we did 60 birds that year. Um, We do have a local USDA um, inspected butcher that is very reasonably priced. um, And we will send all of our birds there this year just for the sake of time. Um, Busy work schedules, lots of animals on the homestead and three little ones running around. If I can save myself a day's worth of work for a little bit of money, that's what I'm going to opt out and do. And I will say the chicken tractor makes it easier, regardless of if you're processing at home or sending them to a processor, corralling the birds and getting them ready for the day. I mean, you withdraw their feed typically for 12 to 24 hours before you process them. That process makes it a lot easier. In our case, I have to restrict feed from my entire flock the day we process because I can't segment them. I literally just run around the yard, pluck them up, process them as we go. So keeping them segmented in that fashion definitely helps once it comes down to processing day. Definitely. Having them corralled makes it an easy job to give one of our kiddos. Not everybody wants to help with the actual act of processing, but I have some really great chicken wranglers and they like to catch the birds out of the tractor and bring them to us. So here are some basic pros and cons. Now that we've kind of walked you through a lot of different aspects, I would say one of the biggest cons for me was you do have to move them regularly or every day. So I don't know if we really made this point clear or not. How often you move them is completely up to you. If you're trying to create a new garden space and you want them to till up the land for you, you'll leave that tractor in its spot for a longer period of time, let them do the digging and scratching up for you, and then move them. If you're in an urban area and you want to keep your grass nice and green and lush, 
you'll move them every day so that they're not in an area where they'll scratch it up. I mean, any longer than a day, you'll probably start seeing some dirt patches. Chickens love to scratch. So for me, that was my probably only con was how often you have to move it. Now, I wouldn't even say that's a con because, I mean, that's the purpose of a chicken tractor. So again, lazy Kendra, having to move it. Now, if you do have a larger one or you have multiple ones, a lot of times people have to have multiple people helping them move it or a four-wheeler or a tractor to move it. So it can also become a process if you're raising a lot of different batches or depending on the size of your chicken tractor. So another couple factors for you to consider. Another con would be if you live in an area where you experience severe weather, Cornish cross especially don't do well with two different types of weather at the same time. So if you have wind, they're fine. If you have rain, they're fine. But if you have like wind and rain combination weather going on at the same time, the con would be you would have to rush out to the field and make sure you get at least three sides of your tractor covered because it stresses them out too much to deal with more than one type of weather at once. Now on to the pros. Fresh pasture for your chickens is definitely a pro. Again, like we've said before, quality of life is a huge aspect to it. Quality meat in the end, allowing them to scratch up grass and bugs in addition to the feed you're providing. Overall, just a higher quality bird in the end. I always say you are what you eat. So if you give your birds quality food, quality pasture, you're going to get a quality bird in the end. Exactly. And lastly, of course, fertilizer and pest control. They do great at eating up bugs and ticks as you're pushing them along on the lawn. And then wherever they were, of course, all of their droppings help fertilize. Like Amanda mentioned previously, your lawn will definitely be green and lush from where that tractor has been sitting. If you've moved it often enough. <laughs> yeah, that's it's kind of either or. Like you're either going to get a giant dirt patch or you're going to have beautiful grass. <laughs> so you're either lazy Kendra <laughs> or you're moving Amanda. <laughs> Who will you be this week? <laughs> now on to some pretty exciting news. Amanda, do you want to tell everyone what you're building next month? Well, since I did the tractor tour over at Marie's property, um, I was so inspired that um, and so excited when Meyer Hatchery started offering her actual tractor plans that I grabbed a set of plans um, and my husband and I are going to build ourselves another tractor and we're going to build the tractor that Marie has. And I'm super excited because that's just one more area that I can put birds in. Exactly. Chicken math. <laughs> Chicken math, multiplying, dividing, adding. It's all about providing for the family. <laughs> Whatever you have to tell yourself. <laughs> so that was a big thing when Marie's video came out. We had so many inquiries about the plans themselves. And it's pretty exciting to see Marie and her husband put together. So Marie works for Meyer Hatchery. She's usually over on the blog. You'll see her in some videos as well. 
they've actually used this setup for quite a while and developed the plans themselves. And now that is what we're offering. So if you caught that video, Marie's in, I'll be sure to link it below in the show notes too. It's a really great tour, especially if you're new to the chicken tractors and raising meat birds. It's a really great example to help get you started. Being able to offer those plans specifically now, I think is huge. And another aspect I love is it's an instant download. So there's no waiting for days and days for it to arrive in the mail or anything like that. It's a PDF download. It includes the complete material list. You purchase it, download, and boom, you're ready to go on a Saturday afternoon because you have nothing else to do, right? Right. One more project. So her tractor finishes out at about four feet by nine feet, which makes it fit well in smaller yards if you don't have a lot of land to work with. And I know it can be moved by a single person, which is pretty exciting from my point of view, considering how much I hate moving the tractors. And I'm excited because we started with the big Kahuna tractor that we can't move without something with an engine. And then we went a little bit smaller with our second tractor that still takes a lot of muscle to move. So having this smaller tractor is going to be really nice to have something that I can easily move or send the kids out to move themselves because it's going to be that light. That's exactly what I was going to say. Send those <laughs> girls out there to push that cart around. <laughs> it's always good to get the kids involved. Now, her tractor can accommodate about 10 hens, laying hens, or 20 broilers. So again, it's a really good size, in my opinion, if you're new to raising meat birds. This is a good size to help get you started. I think I started out with 20 to 25 broilers when we did our first batch. So it's a common quantity, in my opinion. Yeah, 25 is what we started with. Now look at us. I think my order this week is 36. I am sharing some with a neighbor, but meat birds also multiply in case you didn't know. Yeah, this year will be our biggest year. Third year, at, we started with a batch of 25 the first year, and I think we'll finish out at about 140 this year. So we've grown a bit. <laughs> Now, another aspect to the chicken tractor you're getting ready to build is Marie swears it takes about a day to build, and I can't believe it, but it costs under $100. I mean, depending on where you live, the prices are going to vary for your materials, but under $100 to construct the chicken tractor, which I don't think is bad. I mean, that and making it an asset to your farm, like you said, being able to use it for layers when you need to segregate things like that, I think it's a worthy addition to any farm or homestead. And then if you have kids that do 4-H and you have temporary birds that go to market at the end of fair, it's a great smaller coop space to put birds in for a temporary amount of time. Or if you just want to start raising a specific type of poultry or a certain breed, then you can keep it there before integrating it into your main flock. Yeah, I think we're going to have to dig out our old tractor this year with all of our additions we're making because I'm running out of segregation space to keep all <laughs> these different ages together and moving and integrating. So, yes, definitely always good to be prepared and having that chicken tractor available and as a backup cannot hurt by any means. And for under $100, that's in my budget. So I'm really excited. It'll be good. So Amanda is building this in May. 
She's filming it for YouTube. Keep tabs on our YouTube. Feel free to subscribe. That is going to be an exciting build to see. I can't wait to see if it really takes you a day to build. And I'll be perfectly honest. I can raise chickens. I can raise turkeys. But I am not handy. I am not a handy person by no means. I, I'm really lucky that I have a handyman husband who takes on majority of the projects. But I've told him for this project, I want to be involved and I want to be a big part of it. So I'll be very honest with you. If it takes a day and I can do it in a day, then it must be true. (laughs) Anybody can do it. Anybody can do it if I can do it. (laughs) All right. Well, that concludes today's episode. Amanda, thanks so much for sharing your knowledge on chicken tractors and raising meat birds with me today. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. And I'll be sure to link to the chicken tractor plans we've been discussing along with the chicken tractor tour below in the show notes. So if you want to get a head start on Amanda, you can download them today. It really is a great spring project to work on while your chicks are in the brooder or on their way. Have more chicken tractor related questions? Be sure to join our exclusive Facebook group Inside the Coop. This group is specifically for our podcast listeners so we can keep the conversation going off air. Connect with your community and let's meet inside the coop today. Find the link below in our show notes. And with that, I thank you for listening to The Coop. Be sure to subscribe and if you'd be so kind, drop us a review. See you all next week. Bye.